Hello, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ again. I want to thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and learn how to serve Him. Is there any more confusing topic today than the work of the Holy Spirit? How many theories have we heard about the Spirit and how He works in the world today? Interestingly, Jesus, just prior to His crucifixion, told the apostles that the Spirit was coming in John chapter 16 and then explained what the Spirit's job would be. Let's just take a look at that passage and see what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and His work in the world. Would you join us as we open God's Word to John 16 and learn about the Spirit and the Word? Is there any topic that has more confusion surrounding it today than the topic of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does, what He did in the Bible times, what He does today. There are all kinds of theories that are offered regarding the work of the Spirit and the purpose for which God used the Spirit. I suggest we ought to just go back and look at what Jesus said about it. In John chapter 16, beginning at verse 7, Jesus prophesied the coming of the Holy Spirit and explain what the Holy Spirit was going to do. John chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. Jesus said, John 16, 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And He, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He takes of Mine and will disclose it to you. Here Jesus explains what the Spirit was going to do. Before we examine the text, would you pray with me? Our great God and Father in Heaven, we are so thankful for Your Holy Spirit. We're thankful for the gift that You offer through Him to us. And we pray that we will live according to what You have revealed. Father, we're thankful for Your Son who died for us, whose sacrifice has taken our sins away. We pray that if there's anyone here this morning who has not had their sins removed by Your Son's blood, that something we say or do here will convict them, that God is with us, that You are our Father, and that they want to be a part of your family. Father, we pray that everything we do here today will be in accord with the Word that you have revealed. Help us to glorify and honor you your way, not seeking the glory for ourselves, but praising you through your Son. Amen. Interestingly, when Jesus pointed out that he was going to send the Spirit, the New American Standard calls him the Helper, I believe the King James calls him the Comforter. And as Jesus described the help and the comfort that the Spirit was going to offer, He didn't discuss any type of mystical, ethereal hand-holding. He didn't mention some type of spiritual being that would always be there for a shoulder to cry upon. What He said He was going to do was He was going to guide into all truth. 
In verse 13, he says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. To the apostles here, this was important because they remembered certainly what Jesus said, recorded in John chapter 8 and verse 32. Jesus had said, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Can you imagine the comfort that comes with knowing the truth and being free? Of course you can, because we have all experienced that comfort as well. Jesus is pointing out that the comfort and the help that the Spirit is going to give you is not just some emotional thing. He is going to bring to you the life-giving truth. The freedom-bestowing truth from God. And the freedom was not going just to be about freedom from Rome. The freedom, of course, was freedom from the devil. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the guilt that we have because of the things that we've done wrong. And as he looks at the apostles, he said, I'm going to send the Spirit to you, the Comforter, and He's going to help you by guiding you into all truth. And as He guides you into all truth, He says, don't worry that He's making up something new. This is not going to be something different. He's just going to take from me. There in John 16, and verse 16, I guess I have to flip back to John 16. I'm still in John 8, and it, that didn't work. There in John chapter 16, and verse 13, he continues on, He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He'll disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Jesus said there are things that you can't understand now. You're not prepared for them now, but in time to come, we look back on it and know after His resurrection, after His ascension, they would be able to be ready and understand. At that time, the Spirit's going to come and He's going to take these things that I want to bestow upon you that you're not ready for, and He's going to teach them to you. But even taking a step back from that, Jesus said, not only is the Spirit going to take from me what is mine, verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Not only can we trust the Spirit to take from Jesus what is His and give it to the apostles, but that's going to ultimately come from God the Father. What was the Spirit going to do to comfort and help? He was going to come and reveal the mind of God. He was going to offer to the apostles the will of God so that they would know it and be freed from their sins and they could pass it on to us that we might be free from our sins. That was the work of the Spirit. That was the purpose of the Spirit. We have got to understand that. One of the biggest problems today is not understanding the purpose of the Spirit and His work. Today, folks are blinded by the methods the Spirit used, as though His entire purpose was simply to pass on miracles to folks, or to simply heal folks. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to bring truth into the world that would free from sins. How does that impact us today? I think Paul demonstrates to us the Spirit's impact in our lives today in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, Paul said, By revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, 
which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. God used these miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Revelation, Paul refers to here, and taught Him His will. Paul knew God's will because God had revealed it to him. In other places he said, I didn't hear this from men. God gave it to me. But then what did he do with it? He wrote it down. Interestingly here, even for these Ephesians, they were not all just granted miraculous gifts of revelation. Paul was given revelation. He wrote it down and he passed that on to men that were still living in his day. And it has now been passed on to us. And you see what Paul said here? By reading it we can understand His insight into the mystery of Christ as it was revealed to the apostles and prophets. Paul says, not just to me, but to the apostles and prophets of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Where did all Scripture come from? It came from God. It was inspired. It was God-breathed through His Spirit. The Word has come. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter says, But know this first of all, No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Where did Scripture come from? Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God and they wrote it down. They weren't giving their own opinions, they weren't giving their own interpretations, and we're not allowed to do that with it. It's God's Word. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, however, demonstrates the great importance of all of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, Paul said, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Continuing on in verse 10, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul said, we have received all of this from the Spirit. These are the things that Paul wrote down. The things that he received from the Spirit of spiritual wisdom. And by that, we can learn the mind of God. We can't know the mind of God apart from the Spirit's revelation. And what did the Spirit do? He brought all truth. And He gave it to God's children and they wrote it down. And now we have it today. 
and the work of the Spirit continues. We know from other passages He's no longer revealing miraculously. The miraculous gifts are no longer being used, but the Spirit is still working because His Word is still working. And we've got to use it that way. And so that's the question. Are we using it that way? Are we using this to guide us into all truth? Or would we prefer to bank on our feelings and our emotions? Would we prefer to vote on it? Or will we just get into God's Word and do it His way? Interestingly, as Jesus talked about what the Spirit was going to do, the general thing was He was going to guide into all truth. But there were three specifics that Jesus mentioned in that passage in John chapter 16 that the Spirit was going to accomplish as He guided the apostles into all truth. He said there, the first of them, in John chapter 16, in verse 8, He said, when He comes, He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The first, He said, He's going to convict the world of sin. And then in verse 9, He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe Me. He says, I'm going to send the Spirit to convict the world of sin. The reason I'm going to do that is because they don't believe Me. This really harkens all the way back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Scripture there says, Talking about John the Baptist, he wasn't the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 9, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Jesus, the light, came to convict the world of sin, convict the world of the need for a Savior that the world didn't receive Him. He came to His own, I think a specific reference to the Jewish nation, and they rejected Him. But despite that, Jesus said, that's not the last thing I'm going to do. It's not over. I'm going to give everybody one more opportunity. They didn't believe Me as I came to convict them of sin and the need for a Savior, so I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit will convict them regarding sin because they didn't believe Me. And that's exactly what we see the Spirit doing. As He comes in through the gifts that He used with these early disciples, He convicted of sin. Look in Acts chapter 19. We see a great example of it there. In Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, Acts 19.12, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Then we see about some Jewish exorcists that tried to copy him, and that didn't work. And then in verse 17, This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. What happened? The Spirit through Paul was convicting of sin. And these folks in Ephesus recognized their sin and they repented and they turned away from it because they submitted to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit is no longer using those miraculous gifts, and yet the Spirit still works. His Word remains, which convicts us of sin. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 that we read just moments ago, all Scriptures inspired by God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Reproof is conviction. It's exposing error and convicting of error. Paul said the Scripture accomplishes that. The Spirit works through His Scripture to convict us of sin. Let me tell you how important this is. Look in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 26, the Hebrew writer said, If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Spirit is striving through his word to convict us of sin and our need for a Savior. And if we don't accept that, Jesus says, that's it. When Jesus left the world, He was giving everybody another opportunity. He said, they didn't believe Me, but I'm going to send the Spirit to convict them of sin. If we don't accept His convicting work, all that's left is terrifying judgment. That's what this Word is for. To convict us of sin. And so the question then remains, is that how we're using it? Are we using it the way God intended What about for our own lives? Do we use God's Word, the work of the Spirit, to convict us of the sin in our lives? Or have we become convinced that, well, I've been a Christian for a good long while now, and there's really not much changing I have to do? Oh, there's a few things here and there I know, Jimmy, that I have to fix, but, you know, really, I'm a pretty good guy, right? Not much left. It's a life-changing book that should be convicting us of our sins. What about using it that way with others? This book has been given to us in order to convict the world of sins. Are we using it that way? Or are we retreating into a corner and hoping that folks won't notice us? Are we using this God's way? Jesus sent the Spirit to convict the world of sin. The Spirit left His Word to continue that work. We'd better use it that way. But Jesus continued in John 16. He said not only is He going to convict the world of sin, He's going to convict the world of righteousness. And in John 16 and verse 10, He said concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see Me. Jesus' point being that while He was on the earth, if you wanted to know what it was to be righteous, all you had to do was look at Him. See His life. See how He lived. And if you just followed exactly in His footsteps, you'd know how to be righteous. But He's no longer down here. We don't see Him in that way. And so he was going to send the Spirit to convict regarding righteousness. What does it take to be righteous? And that's exactly what the Spirit did. He went to these early disciples and through these gifts and miraculous things that he used, he demonstrated to them what righteousness was. A great example can be found in Acts chapter 15. We're not going to read all of Acts chapter 15. But perhaps you remember the story that some of the early Christians had been Pharisees and they began to teach that in order to be righteous... 
the Gentiles had to be circumcised. Before they could be right with God, Gentiles had to become Jews, they were saying, and be circumcised. The apostles and elders in Jerusalem came together along with the whole church and they debated the matter, it says in Acts 15. And after they debated some time, Peter stood up and said, don't you remember what the Spirit did through me? And then Paul and Barnabas stood up and said, don't you know what the Spirit has done through us with the Gentiles? And then James stood up and said, don't you know what the Spirit revealed in the Old Testament? And by the time they were done, based upon what the Spirit had revealed, they realized that Gentiles did not have to be circumcised. Circumcision was not a part of the new covenant. If we wanted to be righteous, circumcision wasn't the way. You see, the Spirit convicted regarding righteousness. Here's how to be right with God. And while the Spirit no longer bestows those miraculous gifts and works that way, He has left His Word. And He continues to work through His Word. In fact, again, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, what did Paul say the Scripture does? Scriptures come from God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Do we want to be righteous? Go to the Word. The Word teaches us how to be righteous. And we need to learn from it. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We need to train ourselves, practice ourselves with the Word of God to discern between good and evil because the Word of righteousness will train us in righteousness to be able to see that difference. That's what Paul demonstrates to us. And no wonder then, in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, about verse 33, as Paul was leaving behind the Ephesian elders and said, I'm probably not going to see you again. He said in, Ephesians, in Acts 20 and verse 32 to the Ephesian elders, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This word can build us up. It can make us righteous. And as Peter points out in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we've got to desire it just like a baby desires pure milk. Because it will make us righteous. And so the question is, are we using it that way? What about for ourselves? Do we look at this book as training in righteousness? When we read it, we need to be reading it with a view that it's going to correct our lives. It's going to turn us into models after Jesus Christ to be what He was while He was on the earth. That's why He sent His Spirit. Are we using it that way with others? Are we taking this word to others to let them know this is how we can be righteous? Or do we just want to get off on our own little holy huddle and and just talk about it amongst ourselves? Afraid that they might get upset with us when we point out to them what the Scripture says about being righteous. Jesus sent the Spirit to convict the world of righteousness. And the Spirit gave us the Word to continue that work. We must use it that way. There's one more thing that Jesus said. Convict the world concerning judgment. And in John chapter 16, 
This time in verse 11, he pointed out that the Spirit would convict concerning judgment because the ruler of this world had been judged. He's referring back to something he had said in John chapter 12, beginning at verse 31. In John chapter 12 and verse 31, Jesus had said, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. How is that going to take place? He goes on in verse 32, I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Jesus' point was that in his crucifixion, God won. The devil lost. And he's going to send the Spirit to convict in judgment because God has already won the victory. It reminds me of a game that I play with Marita and with the kids. David and Paulette got to learn this game Friday night. It's called Pentag. Anybody know that game? Oh, we'll have to get together. It's always easy to beat somebody who doesn't know how to play. But there's always a point in the game where we've, we've gotten to the point we know it's over. I've won. Usually. But we like to go ahead and continue playing, just kind of see how it's all going to shake out. How many pieces can we steal? How is it all going to actually finally end? But we know there's nothing short of me doing something which is just unreasonably stupid, which I can do at times. It's over. But we keep playing. And that's really kind of the picture here. It is over. Satan has lost. We're not waiting for the end of the story to find out whether or not God's going to win and Satan's going to lose. Jesus pointed out at His crucifixion, Satan lost. The ruler of this world has been judged and it's over for him. They're continuing on as Satan is desperately striving to see how many of the pieces he can keep for himself even though he's going to lose. Because it's over. And Jesus said, I am sending the Spirit to convict the world of judgment because judgment is certain. Because in this crucifixion, the ruler of the world is judged, and the game's over. And so the Spirit would come in and warn of the coming judgment. He's going to convict regarding sin and righteousness. He's going to tell us, you've got to choose because judgment is coming. It's over. You need to pick a side and decide with whom you're going to stand. That's exactly what the Spirit does. We find an example in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, Paul has started his first missionary journey. And as they get onto the island of Cyprus, he's trying to convert a man named Sergius Paulus. And in Acts chapter 13 and verse 8, but Elymas the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. God says, the hand of the Lord, judgment's upon you. And by this we see the demonstration of God's power and God's judgment on those who will not cease to make crooked the straight paths of the Lord. The revelation of the Spirit demonstrated God's judgment because Satan has lost. And judgment is coming. And while the Spirit is no longer using the miraculous gifts, He has given us the Word which continues to convict regarding judgment. 
In fact, the Spirit recorded in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, the words of Jesus Himself. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. He says judgment is coming. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul talked about the judgment that was coming in verse 5. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it's only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. Well, that's interesting. Our testimony to you was believed. Where did their testimony come from? The Spirit. The Spirit who came to convict of sin and righteousness. He said you believed it. And so you were convicted regarding judgment. And judgment is coming. And those who were not convicted regarding sin and righteousness, they're going to suffer the penalty of eternal destruction away from God. But you will glorify God in that day. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, In that day, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. 2 Peter 3.10 In which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Excuse me. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? He said, Be convicted. Judgment is coming. Interestingly, in John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus described the standard for judgment. He who rejects me, John 12:48, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. How do we learn the word Jesus spoke? He said, I'm going to send the Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And He's going to take from me and give it to you. Here it is. This is the standard. This is how we prepare. The only way. The question then is, are we using it the way God intended? Are we using this to convict ourselves of judgment? Or have we become lazy and apathetic and think that everything's all right with me? I got baptized and so everything's okay. I go to church and I give a little bit. Are we constantly reminding ourselves that judgment is coming and we've got to be prepared, serving the Lord, doing His will? Do we use it that way with others? Letting them know that judgment is coming. The next time somebody asks you when you teach them something from the Word of God, are you judging me? Anybody ever been asked that? Are you judging me? Say, oh, absolutely not. I am just convicting you with the Word of the Spirit that judgment is coming. Because that's why God gave it to us. Jesus sent His Spirit to convict the world of judgment. The Spirit gave us the Word to continue that work. 
we better use it that way. How are you using God's Word? To guide you into all truth? To convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment? Or has it become merely a decoration that you carry back and forth to church with you? Something to put on the coffee table so that when the guests come over, they know that you're a Christian. Use this Word to guide you into truth, convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. And when judgment comes, you'll be ready. Not because you've earned it, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because He sent His Spirit to convict us. I certainly hope today's lesson has been helpful to you as we've learned about the work of the Spirit. What have we learned today? First, that the overall work of the Spirit was about revealing all truth. The Spirit did that, and the apostles and prophets of the New Testament recorded the Spirit's truth, and we can now read it and understand it. But there were three sub-purposes to what the Spirit would accomplish. The first was convicting the world of sin because the world did not believe Jesus. The second, convicting the world of righteousness because Jesus is no longer in the world. The third, convicting the world of judgment because the ruler of this world, the devil, has already been judged. And that's the key point for Christianity. Satan has already lost. We need to be prepared for that judgment by choosing between sin and righteousness. I pray that you'll make the right choice in your life. If we can help you regarding the conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment, if you have any questions about the Spirit or about the Word or about how to become a child of God and have the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ, would you please give us a call at 615-794-2359 or you can contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this CD today. If so, we invite you to come to our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com and download any number of lessons that are available there. We have them in audio format as well as outline format. Download them, study them, share them in any way that you believe will glorify God and help His children. Again, if there's anything we can do to help you, don't hesitate to contact us, 615-794-2359 or through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.